Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, this conversation, I think, uh, certainly speaks to the question of school curriculum and parental responsibility, parental rights. I know we've had a lot of conversation in Alberta about the curriculum as it pertains to sex ed, whether parents should have the right to keep their kids uh, out of sex ed. And for that matter, as it pertains to gay-straight alliances and, and other things that have been discussed uh, with regard to schools, how much say parents should have in what their kids are exposed to. So I think this story is, is along those same lines. But it becomes a little different when we're talking about not just the component of one course, where sex ed is, is a part of the overall health curriculum. We're talking about an entire course, that being music. Now, typically in, in elementary school, uh, music is treated basically as a core subject, that, that it's mandatory, every kid takes it, and it's considered something that, that kids need to learn. Now, I didn't like music class much when I was in elementary school. Uh, I could have done without the handbells and the recorders and, and everything else, but it was part of what we took. And there's a belief that it's important to expose kids to this and, and to give them some basis in, in music education, like all the other core subjects. Now, in this case, it's a conflict between the course and religious beliefs. Uh, a father in Toronto demanded that his kids be exempted from music class because he believes, as a Muslim, that music is haram, that it is forbidden. Now, it would be both right and wrong to say that music is forbidden within Islam because a lot of Muslims don't believe that. Just as there are some Muslims who believe it's mandatory to wear a beard or it's mandatory to wear head covering, other Muslims don't see that, don't think that. So I don't know that we can approach this by saying that religion A believes this thing or doesn't because there are disagreements. So how do we approach this? And is that a reasonable request to exempt a child from music? Should the parent compromise? Should the school compromise? How do we approach this? Given that we've established that in some cases it's okay for parents to exempt their kids from certain things. Well, our next guest has a thoughtful piece on this in today's Globe and Mail. Uh, you can find it at theglobeandmail.com. Uh, Zarka Noaz is uh, the creator, in fact, of Little Mosque on the Prairie, also author of the book, Laughing All the Way to the Mosque. Zarka, great to have you with us. Welcome to the Hi. program. Hi, thanks for having me on. All right, well, what, what about this case prompted you to, to write what you wrote? Well, it's so interesting. I, actually, I live in Saskatchewan, so we didn't know anything about this case. I was just flying home um, on, from vacation yesterday when uh, the Global Mail asked me to weigh in on it, and so it was the first I had heard about it. So I talked to some, you know, some friends in Ontario, and I said, "What's going on?" And so they, you know, they explained it to me. And and I think there was a general consensus um, among, you know, the Muslims in Toronto that this is um, an ex- sort of an extreme fringe um, take on this issue. 
because, as I mentioned in the article, um, Muslims, you know, when it comes to music, uh, embrace it wholeheartedly, you know, practically having rock concerts um, in Mississauga for Muslim Fest. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge part of our culture and has been for centuries. Uh, you know, and there are, and you know, I was funny because I googled even you know Christians and issues with music, and so it's a, it's sort of the same idea that sort of you know, um, really conservative people from various faiths believe that music might take them away from their faith or it might distract them, it might lead to you know suggestive thoughts and dancing and yeah. maybe sex. Right. You know, that whole remember that movie Footloose? Oh yes, that yeah. whole <laughs> issue, right? So this is something that crosses all kind of you know, religions and cultures, like, does music make you do things that are forbidden in your faith, like, you know, licentiousness or, you know, behavior? And if it does, then we should keep away from it entirely. So that's sort of like a black and white, you know, then you become very black and white and dogmatic about it, um, and you don't see sort of the nuances and the shades of gray. And I think this is what's happened in this case. Um, so, well, who's in the right here, then? I think the school board's in the right. I think they did exactly what they should have done, and they offered some, you know, accommodations to the father, which were completely reasonable. And I think the majority of Muslims in Toronto you know, would agree with the school board that this father is taking us to the extreme and is becoming very, you know, um, hard-headed about it. And if he wants to do that, then, you know, there's there's lots of private religious schools out there that don't have music in their curriculum. He can easily take them out, or he can homeschool them. And those are the two options you have if you're going to be that hard-line about issues, is to remove yourself from the system and go somewhere where the system works for you totally. And because we cannot expect our public school boards to be micromanaging every single um, nuanced, you know, religious request. It's not, it's not reasonable. And the school board did make accommodations for him, and he rejected them. So I feel that the vast majority of Muslims side with the school board and say this is too much. Well, and that's an interesting point. Would, would it change the dynamic of this conversation at all, though, if that was the prevailing view within Islam? If it was a prevailing view? I don't know. I mean, you know, like if, if the school board said, like, like what happens in France or in Europe, that you can't come to school um, wearing a hijab, right? right? So they actually have laws in Europe telling girls that you can't come to school wearing hijab. And they also, and so if they come to school not wearing hijab, they actually remove them if they come to school wearing maxi skirts, because that somehow is modest, and modest is, in their opinion, um, Muslim value, not a French value, apparently, and thus, mm -hmm. and thus they get removed again. So then it becomes this battle of values, right? Like, are you saying only Muslims believe in modesty and, you know, French people don't, which is ridiculous, right? Then it becomes an issue of racism. Like, how far are we pushing people when it comes to core values? And so, I mean, you can see the difference between how Canada handles something and how Europe handles you know issues like they're just very very dogmatic and they and the way Europe handles issues is ex is extreme in the same way I would say this father is handling the issue where there's no compromise there's no accommodations there's no um, nuance at all in the issue and so you can see how both sides can be intractable in their stances and how they can be damaging to societies right so I right. think Canada and you know, the United States uh, have had a very good record for integrating their minority populations because they are much more reasonable when it comes to these accommodations and we recognize that as a minority community, and we value that, and we respect that. And so um, the overwhelming majority opinion among the Muslim community in this country is that this father has um, taken a hardline stance that's not reasonable, and he should just remove his kids and take, put them in a private school, homeschool them. But asking the school board to um, go to these measures is unreasonable. Well, because we're talking about a course that is, is there on a regular basis, it's there every year through school, that to, to take your kid out of music seems unworkable. 
I, yeah, I think that's too, a big part I of the went, problem. I, you know, my kids go, I went, you know, I mean, the type of music and the type of education they're giving kids is not the type of um, education that's taking children away, you know, you know, somehow um, taking them away from God or their belief system or having them behave in ways that are contrary to, you know, their core values. It's not that way at all. And to suggest it is is ridiculous. And I think that's what happens when you become really dogmatic in your viewpoint. You stop seeing the bigger picture. And, I mean, I think the bigger picture is that, you know, if you listen to – if music somehow leads you away, away from your faith – you know, that's that's where people get a little bit um, upset. I mean, I, you know, I Googled Christianity and there was a whole thread with Christians talking about listening to rock music or secular music or music that um, glorifies, you know, things that are not very Christian like uh, adultery or infidelity, right? So that so Christians are having the debate, should we be listening to that music? So then that debate is then you shouldn't, then you should take yourself out of that situation because you feel that it's t- going against Christian values. So in the music classes in um, public schools are not actually <laughs> you know, the type of music that would take you away from that sort of value system that you believe in. It's just learning you know, the elementary basics of music, which is fine. And I think the vast majority of Muslims recognize that and take a reasonable approach towards that. Right. And it's interesting, and you noted this already that the school board the, the toronto district school board and look they're they're well aware that they have a very diverse student base and, and they're going to be compromises that maybe need to get made in certain circumstances and and even here even on a request like this they, they tried to find some middle ground didn't they yes and i was really impressed by how hard they tried when i read about this for two years they tried to accommodate this man so i mean obviously the problem is in the school board it's this man who has become extremely um you know, trans, you know, inflexible on this issue. So then the problem isn't the school board anymore, it's the person. And at a certain point, we have to be reasonable and say, okay, you are not going to accept any compromise. And then you, you know, take your kids out of the system then and, and find your own alternative forms of education if that's how difficult you're going to be about this issue. And, you know, I read the comments from Muslims and non-Muslims, and I feel like we're all on the same page on this is that the school board did its best, maybe even almost too much, and maybe it's time, you know, if people are going to be that difficult, and they should just, you know, abdicate from the school board and, and find their own alternate means of education. Because there's only so much, you know, a school board can be asked to do under these circumstances. Well, that's like just can't, a, yeah. We can't run a puritanical, you know, system where everybody, you know, gets everything that they want. It's not possible. It's not reasonable. And we live in a country of compromise and reasonable accommodation, and we have lived very successfully, you know, for a long time since the founding of this country with those principles, and I wouldn't want to see those disappear because, you know, one person is becoming unreasonable. Well, I mean, people are free to be unreasonable. You're free to be dogmatic and fundamentalist in this country, right? So it's not, it's not a question of him not being entitled to those views. Yeah, but he can't force, you know, a school board to, to um, bend over backwards right. to accommodate those views. And if he's going to be that difficult, then like like you know other people have mentioned, then you have to remove yourself from the situation. And that's what happens when you get communities like I was mentioning in my article, like Bountiful BC, where you have a Mormon sect that you know has strong belief systems in child marriage and polygamy, which go against the you know Canadian criminal code. And so they are isolate themselves in areas of Canada where they can't you know be seen or detected that easily. So they can carry on in this way that goes against Canadian values, right? If we're going to be talking about Canadian values, <laughs> yeah. we can talk about that, right? Absolutely. That goes against Canadian values. We don't have child marriage. We don't believe in polygamy. We don't believe in those type of things. Yet they continue to do things that are against Canadian values and are white and Christian and belong, you know, as you know, to to a larger majority of this country. Yet when we talk about Canadian values, we only talk about immigrants, right? So the conversation always focuses on the brown and the other, as if they are the only ones who don't accept Canadian values. So I would like to talk about. Well, if we're going to do that, let's talk about the wider community. And all the other things that happen, you know, under, say, under what we would consider white Western Christian, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Because that type of behavior also happens in these type of communities. And that's why they live in, you know, very isolated enclaves, because they cannot fit into the wider community. The Muslim community has never wanted, you know, to separate itself and to exist separately from the wider community. We want to integrate and be part of the wider community and contribute to it and be part of it and, and make sure that we enrich it, you know, with our music and our dance and our arts. I mean, that was really important to me. and This is why I write and make television shows and contribute, right? I mean, this is part of being part of the Canadian fabric is to add to it, you know, to the diversity and to the richness of Canadian culture. And just what I think that I I bring, you know, to television and to literature and what, you know, Muslim Fest brought to Mississauga by bringing, you know, you know, women who are spoken word artists or, you know, band, boy bands from South Africa. I remember walking in Mississauga watching all this. And, you know, this is enriching the culture by bringing other forms of entertainment that we wouldn't normally see. And so you can see every time, you know, with every generation, you see a new wave of immigrants bringing, you know, new forms of um, art to their communities. And we transform our culture continuously, you know, for the better. And I think that's why Canada and the U.S. are such strong cultures. And you can see the difference between the culture in Europe, where there is such intractability and extremism when it comes to accommodating people and being yeah. reasonable um, and taking a middle line. Because when you do that, that's when you get those, you know, bur- you know insane burkini debates, right? <laughs> where women can't even be allowed to choose what they wear. Indeed. And it becomes, then, because, then, you, then you can see the ridiculousness of the conversation and the arguments. Absolutely. Well, Zarka, we'll leave it there. Again, uh, people can find your piece today in the Globe and Mail at theglobeandmail.com, and we'll tweet out a link to it as well. Really appreciate you making some time for us here today. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for having me. All the best. Take care. That's uh, Zarka Nawaz, uh, who is uh, a writer. She is the creator, in fact, of Little Mosque on the Prairie and the author of the book, Laughing All the Way to the Mosque. So her piece today, and I tweeted out a link, uh, if you follow me, at Rob Breckenridge, the headline to the music banning Muslim father rejecting compromise is extremism. So she's... I don't know that she's necessarily theologically saying that he's in the wrong. And again, as as uh, someone who's, who's non-religious at all, it's not for me to say, well, that person or that person represents the true view of, of that religion. Uh, followers of any religion need to sort that out amongst themselves. But I don't know that she's looking to, to engage him in a, a theological debate, but I think her point is that that's a minority view, the notion that, that music is forbidden within Islam. But I think her point is, look, if you want to be fundamentalist, if you want to be dogmatic, then go and be fundamentalist and take your kid out of public school because obviously there's music class in school. This isn't a one-time thing that you're looking to exempt your kid from. Like if a Hutterite who believed that, that photographs went against their religion, right? And there was a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada regarding driver's license in Alberta. So if a Hutterite parent went to a school and said, we don't believe in photographs, we believe photographs are, are blasphemous, I don't want my kid to be part of school pictures. That would be a non-issue. It's only school pictures. Fine. You don't want your kid to get school picture. That's not a problem. That's easily accommodated. So that's not a school bending over backward. But I think reasonable requests can be dealt with. This was not. This was not a reasonable request at all. But maybe that's arbitrary. Is exempting from sex ed a reasonable request? Probably. But where do we draw the line? This one, though, seemed to be a pretty clear example of a totally unreasonable request. But I don't know where the line gets drawn, though. And that, that's rather subjective, I suspect. 974-TALK, 974-8255 is our number. You want to weigh in on this. A lot of texts coming in, too. We'll read some of those when we continue. It's Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.